Good morning. Well, I hope you're well. Hope you had a lovely sleep in. We had a great time at 8 o'clock this morning. Uh, it was good. We had some more time afterwards. We had a cup of tea, and that was lovely. If you want to have your Bibles up in John 6, that would be great. There'll be a fair bit of Bible flicking today. Um, we are looking at a, a, a topic again, a bit like last week, and then next week we start into our, our Christmas series. If you're someone who... Um, well, welcome if you're new today too. Um, my name's Graham. Uh, if you're someone who's not sure about Jesus right now, um, you're not quite... You, know, you don't feel like you, you're, you're a Christian person. Um, today really is aimed at uh, people who live and trust in the Lord Jesus. And uh, so what I'd love you to do, as you listen along in the next 20 or so minutes, um, I'd love you to see how serious and how important we treat the message of Jesus. So much so that we want to tell other people about it. I want you to hear that. Okay, let me pray for us and uh, then we'll get stuck into John chapter 6 and other passages as well. Father, thank you for today. Thank you that uh, we can gather here together. Thank you, Lord, that you've put us here together. And Lord, we pray that you would be uh, speaking through me, help me to be clear. And Lord, we pray that we would be able to respond in um, faith and obedience and uh, put Jesus' words into practice as we hear them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, for the average follower of Jesus, there's one particular word that when it's mentioned, and particularly at the front of church, it invokes, well, one response it, in, it invokes is the, it's the pack your bags, we're going on a guilt trip type of response. There's one experience people might have when they hear this word. Um, or because of feelings of inadequacy, uh, fear, maybe, or just plain dread. With just the mention of this word, it raises our blood pressure. And, and we want to curl up into a little ball and find a hole that no one will find us in. Or at least that's some people's experience and reaction when we talk about evangelism. Talking to non-believers about Jesus. Now perhaps now you're checking the exits and seeing how quick you can get out before I ask you to go door knocking. Um, don't worry, I'm not going to ask you to go door knocking. But as we, uh, as we talk about sharing the gospel today, before we start out this new series and we into this Christmas season, uh, I don't want fear and guilt to be our reaction. And to be honest, I don't think God does either. You see, when it comes to sharing the gospel, I think there are two types of people. There's clearly those people who are so enthusiastic. Yes, let's go and share the gospel. Go! They're witty, willing and, and they're ready. They're champing at the bit. They just can't wait to get out there. And they're, they're frustrated because we're still talking about it. They're those sort of people. However, there's also others who are just not comfortable with it. They're not comfortable with evangelism. They find it a real struggle. They'll do it in obedience. They'll do it. But gee, it's hard. You see, I reckon the church is filled with two types of people. You ready? Bush tucker men and wildlife warriors. <laughs> That's what I think the church is filled with. Bush tucker men and crocodile hunters type people. Bear with me. See, if you've been around for a while, you'll remember Les Hiddens. To be honest, a childhood hero of mine. He introduced me to the love of Land Rovers. Um, I lost a lot of money because of him. Anyway, <laughs> uh, 
He was the original bush tucker man. He's a bush survival expert. He could find you a three-course meal with all the trimmings in the middle of the Simpson Desert. He's calm and unassuming and when he talks to others about the bush. And if needed, he will keep you alive. While he'll never stand out in the crowd, he's committed to his cause. He's an effective spokesperson for Australia in a subdued and relaxed way. In contrast, there's the wildlife warrior, the crocodile hunter, Steve Irwin. We all remember him, hopefully. Um, actually, like his daughter Bindi today, he's pretty hard to shut up. No offence to Bindi. Um, <laughs> lovely, lovely girl. Anyway. <laughs> yes, well, thank you, David. <laughs> I won't repeat that one. Um, he's, he's so passionate and excited about anything, remember, that slithers and crawls and hops and swims and flaps and so on. Uh, his enthusiasm was contagious. He was one of the most loved um, TV personalities going around. Everybody knows, well, everybody knew, I should say, when he was around. And like the Bush Tucker man, he's faithful to his cause. He loved, he loved Australia, this type of person, this type of wildlife warrior, loves Australia and loves the outdoors. However, he was, uh, you know, he, he was besotted, wasn't he? That's not a bad word for it. Um, almost love-struck when the opportunity arose to tell others about his passion. He'd even use that sort of, I'm going to try to do an accent in a moment. But whenever there was a possibility of seeing an animal, what did he say? Crikey, would you look at that? Um, that was pretty good, wasn't it? Uh, I had to do some research during the week and watch a few videos to get the accent right. Uh, here's our problem. Our problem is that when it comes to sharing the gospel, for some reason, we expect everyone to be croc hunters to be wildlife warriors, when in reality, well, there's quite a few bush tucker men. So friends, here's where we need to start and finish today. When it comes to evangelism, God has not made us all the same. He has given us different gifts, different personalities, different responsibilities indeed. So we're not to live in guilt and fear, but instead, relax and be faithful. Relax, don't live in fear and guilt, but be faithful. That's our big idea this morning. If you're following the outline, there are two gaps there. You could write them down if you'd like to. But here's why. Here's why we ought to relax and be faithful, because the power, the power to change lives... The power to bring people into a saving relationship with Jesus is actually not in you and I, the messenger. The power is in the message, the words of Jesus. For it is through the message, the gospel, that God's spirit works to bring people to him. So if you've got your Bible there, come back to John 6 for a moment with me. We're not going to spend all our time in John 6, uh, for the next couple of minutes. I want you to notice a few things and then we'll get some practicalities later on. Now the disciples, that's a larger group here. It's not just the 12. The 12 are pulled aside later on. But this, this larger group of disciples are finding things hard. They're finding it hard, finding some of Jesus' teaching hard. And to be honest, some of it is. It is tough. But let's pick it up from verse 63. 
Jesus tells his disciples, this larger group, the spirit gives life. The flesh, now that's us. That's, that's dis- his disciples. Uh, we're flesh and blood, the followers of Jesus. He says the flesh counts for nothing. It's not we who bring people to Jesus, it's God. So the words I've spoken to are spirit and they are life. Now skip down to verse 65. Jesus went on to say, This is why I told you that no one can come to me unless the Father has enabled them. Enabled him, I should say. From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. You do not want to leave too, do you? Jesus asked the twelve. Now just the twelve gathered together. And then Simon Peter answered, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. I think it's such an extraordinary scene. I love it. No one can come to God unless God enables them by his spirit, Jesus says. Do you see that? His spirit which gives life. And God does this, again, Jesus says, by Jesus' words, by his words. The gospel. We read in the scriptures. uh, The message. Jesus has the words of eternal life. So relax. And be faithful, trusting God. God is the one who does the work. God is the one who does what he does. The power is in the message and not the messenger. The power is in the message and not the messenger. But that's not a relax, "Eh, keep my feet up and do nothing. It's not that. No, no, God actually has given us a promise and a purpose That he will use his disciples, disciples, believers, to make disciples of Jesus. So in God's great plan of salvation, to bring people to himself in a right and saving relationship with him, he actually promises uh, to give us a purpose. And that purpose is to make disciples of Jesus. There's an old story I read a while back about a group of people who visited an oil refinery. Now the tour they were on, showed them the ins and outs of the process, the chambers, the pipes, all that sort of stuff, the big vats, everything you need to refine oil. And as the tour ended, one of the visitors asked the tour guide, well, hold on, you showed us everything except the shipping department. This type of oil refinery must produce a huge amount of oil and petrol, but you haven't shown us where it is, uh, where it is put into containers and then shipped out. The tour guide answered, well, you see, we don't have a shipping department. Everything produced in this refinery is used up as energy to keep the refinery going. (laughs) See, God's church doesn't exist to keep ourselves going. Now, our purpose, God says, as followers of Jesus or disciples is not just to encourage each other and sustain ourselves. That's, that's just part of being a Christian person. Our purpose, Jesus says, is to make disciples. Grow God's kingdom. That's how God will use us in his purposes. A partnership, the Apostle Paul says. Whether we're bush tucker men or whether we're wildlife warriors. Here's what Jesus went on to say to that same 12 that we met in John 6. Therefore, as you go, it really should read, as you do whatever you're doing, go and make disciples of all nations, 
baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey what? Everything I have commanded you. What's that? Jesus' words. Jesus now, you see, has given us the words of eternal life. We'll find them in our Bibles in front of us in our, in our laps right now. There they are. He's given us the gospel. He's sent us to, as you go, to make disciples. We are part of God's purposes. What a privilege that is. What a fantastic thing that is. Okay, so let's, let's talk about a few practicalities now. How does God use us as disciples of Jesus, as followers of Jesus, to make disciples? How does he do it? Well, it's pretty simple, really. I've got three Ps. Very easy to remember. Proclaim, promote, and pray. That's what we do. Uh, believers are to proclaim the gospel, where to promote the gospel, and where to pray. Let's look at the first one. Proclaim the gospel. 1 Peter 2, verse 9. You remember some of these words from earlier in the year. But at you, but uh, now I'm going to do a lot of Bible flicking. Uh, my suggestion is you just look at the screen. They'll be up there. You just won't keep up. If, if you can, go for your life and I'll give you an extra cup of tea or something. Um, listen to what uh, the, the Apostle Peter says. God says to us about us. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. See those words? We talked about them right at the start of the year. We are. We are not silent. So we declare. We proclaim. What do we proclaim? The praises of him who called us out of darkness into his wonderful light. He saved us. He's brought us out of darkness and forgiven us and brought us into the light of a relationship with him. We proclaim Jesus. That's what Christians do. It's just who we are. It's just what we do as followers of Jesus. We declare. We declare the gospel, the message of the risen Jesus Christ, that there is no other name that can be saved, that forgiveness is a free gift from God. You, you can't earn it. You don't earn it. That by believing in him, we can have eternal life. We declare, we proclaim, it's just who we are. That means we ought to make sure we know the gospel. Uh, we ought to be able to explain it. Can you explain it? If I had to, I wouldn't do it now, of course, but if someone asked you a morning tea, hey, what's the gospel? Could you explain it? If someone asked you down the street, what's this Jesus guy all about? Why did he come? Why was he born? Did he just stay a baby? Was he just always cute and cuddly and animals around him? What's the gospel? Could you do that? Um, here's one way to put it. Uh, you might need to do a bit of reading. I'll give you some suggestions in a moment. But know God's story. That's the gospel. Know your story. Two things. Know, know the gospel. Know God's story. Know your story. And hopefully you can explain them fairly succinctly. Um, you don't want to go on forever and ever. You don't want to do a sermon, that's for sure. Uh, people say that you should be able to explain the gospel. Well, try to explain God's story or even try to explain your story in three minutes. So apparently people can only listen to one person talk for about three minutes. <laughs> anyway, um, <laughs> my suggestion is you learn, you, you maybe a good gospel tract um, 
Two Ways to Live is a really a good one. I've got some copies of that if you want to grab one of them. I have Two Ways to Live on my phone. So you can, if you want to grab my phone, I can show you afterwards. Uh, that's really helpful. I've written Two Ways to Live Out. It's got pictures and things. Um, another easy one to remember is uh, God, man, God, what if you do, what if you don't? Okay? Just, just a way to remember the gospel. I won't explain it all now, but God created the world. Man, we sinned. God sent Jesus to forgive us and so on. What if you do, what if you don't? Um, heaven, hell. All right? There's a simple gospel presentation. Learn some key verses in the Bible. Uh, lots of good ones put them on the back of the toilet door on the fridge wherever you need to learn them uh, learn, the, learn your story learn how God uh, called you now the croc hunters among us the wildlife warriors will find this much easier this proclaiming business and again they're wondering why, right now why are we still talking about it it's frustrating I want to get out there and do it but the reality is there's probably more bush tucker men than wildlife warriors when it comes to telling non-believers about Jesus. The wildlife warriors, the bush tucker men, sorry, the wildlife warriors, the, the croc hunters, the Steve Irwin types in evangelism, may just need to slow down a little. May need to listen and learn and be equipped to learn how to tell their story really well, to learn how to tell God's story really well. But the bush tucker men amongst us may also need a little prod. Uh, we might need some encouragement. They may need to be reminded not to be ashamed of the gospel. They may need to be reminded not to be silent. You might have heard of a, a comic duo uh, who was probably more famous in the 1990s. They're from the UK. They did magic tricks and their entertaining sort of stuff. They're involved with the X Factor for a while as well, called Penn and Gillette. Uh, sorry, Penn and, Penn and Teller, that's their names. Now, Penn Gillette, he's uh, still in the entertainment industry today, big bloke, long black hair. He is a very public atheist. Penn tells the story on a YouTube clip of a time recently when he was evangelised. Unexpectedly, um, he praises this Christian man who walked up to him after a show and gave him a Bible and shared the gospel with him just out of the blue and has this conversation with him. And Penn speaks of how well-mannered and respectful this Christian man was and how sincere he was and he was impressed. And then the clip goes on. It's just too long to show today. Um, which, and he makes this powerful point. He says, after saying how much he respected this Christian man, he says, I don't respect people who don't evangelise. How much do you have to hate someone if you firmly believe that something bad is coming their way, the judgment of God, not to warn them? It's confronting, isn't it? I certainly have... I've, told that story a few times and it's a great reminder to me personally to not be silent don't be silent now we're not all going to be wildlife warriors Steve Irwins of evangelism where we can walk up to a famous atheist and hand them a bible and share them tell them about Jesus <laughs> but whoever we are God says we must not be silent it's just who we are Romans 1.16 says that believers following Paul's example should not be ashamed. Why not? 
Why should we not be ashamed? Because remember, the gospel is the power of God. It's the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. So relax. Be faithful. The power is in the message we proclaim. It's not in the messenger. Let's go to our second P. Because if you're a Bush Tucker man believer, uh, this is probably still a bit daunting for you. The Bible is clear, though, that whoever we are as disciples of Jesus, we not only proclaim the gospel, but we also promote the gospel. As we promote the gospel, opportunities to proclaim the gospel will arise. You see? As we promote the gospel, opportunities to proclaim the gospel will arise. So point number two there, you can see the outline. Remember a couple of months ago, we spent some time hearing and responding to God's word from 1 Thessalonians. The church at Thessalonia were new Christians. We were told that they, new Christians who had turned from idols to serve the true and living God. They had welcomed the message with joy. In fact, the Lord's message had rang out from them. Remember that? It rang out like the, the bell that Joe rang at 8am this morning. Uh, it rang out across Robinson and released into our lounge room. Um, their, their, their faith in God had become known everywhere. They promoted the gospel. It went out by their words and, as we read, by their lives. The message rang out from them. Now, I reckon we can put it down to five ways the Bible speaks of this so-called ringing out, this promoting the gospel. Uh, I might be wrong. There might be more than five ways, but I can't go on all day. Remember, you've only got three minutes. Um, So uh, let's look at the first one, love. What does Jesus say in John 13? A new command I give to you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this... Everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. You see those words? When we love one another, when we show love, when we love, we show the world who Jesus is. Isn't that extraordinary? We show the world who we are. And we show the world what we have to offer. And I tell you what, folks, it's really good. (laughs) It's really good. Second thing, uh, be different. Be different. They're not in these outlines. So we've got love, be different. Remember back to 1 Peter chapter 2? It's now up on the screen. But Christians are different. What are they? They're, they're chosen people. They're called by God. They're holy, which means set apart. They're, they belong to God. But if we keep reading in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 12, it says, Live such good lives among the pagans, that means non-believers, That though they accuse you of doing wrong, which will happen, they may see your good deeds and what? Glorify God on the day Jesus returns, on the day he visits us. In fact, Jesus says the same thing in the the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew 5 verse 16. Let your light, and that's your good deeds, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and what? Glorify your Father in heaven. So, believers ought to stand out in their difference in the way they live, actually in the way they love. So much so that non-believers will see this, they'll experience it, and one day glorify God because of it. 
So as we promote the gospel, opportunities to proclaim the gospel will arise. Being prepared is our next uh, point three. I've got point three here under promoting the gospel. Again, back to 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15. But in your hearts, set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. Now, wildlife warriors amongst us, they need to hear this last bit, uh, perhaps more than others. They're so often so ready to share Jesus that they forget about gentleness and respect. We've got to hear that. But bush tucker men perhaps need to, hear, need to be ready. We need to be prepared, ready to proclaim, ready to speak, ready to give an answer, give a reason for the hope that we have in Jesus. And in our preparedness, we ought to be watchful and thankful. What for? For opportunities. Praying for opportunities to share the good news of Jesus. Have a look at Ephesians 5 verse 16. Again, up on the screen there, down the bottom. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise but as wise, making the most of every opportunity. Why? Because the days are evil. Now, friends, coming up over the next two months, we have ample opportunity to share Jesus, to start a conversation, to invite a friend to church. This month is Christmas. And actually, in January, we're going to have specific Sundays that will be great to invite a friend along to. Uh, have lunch with them afterwards. Have breakfast before. Um, I've called them bring a friend funda- bring a friend Sundays. You could call them baths. <laughs> Works great, doesn't it? Yeah. Bring a friend Sundays. But let's talk about Christmas for a minute. See, Christmas is the best opportunity in our culture today in Australian culture, that's where we live, to tell others about Jesus who do not yet know Jesus. It doesn't get any better than Christmas Day, Christmas Eve. It's the best opportunity in our calendar year to welcome people into our church. An American friend of mine used to say, extend a hand, Graham, extend the hand. And I believe that means shake their hand and welcome them. Americans are funny people. Extend the hand. So welcome people into our church. It doesn't get any better than Christmas Day to do that. Love them. Be different. Start a conversation with gentleness and respect. Friends, um, can I ask you that if you are planning to be away from church on this day, on Christmas Day, can I challenge you with the, the love that is in my heart for you? Why? Why? What could possibly be more important than sharing the gospel, loving and welcoming a non-believer into this community and possibly because of your love and your words, welcome them into God's kingdom? There is an opportunity. Have we forgotten why Jesus came? Why he was born? fourth way the fourth way the bible speaks of promoting the gospel 
uh, is by living an attractive life. Uh, Titus 2 tells, uh, God tells us that if households are not ones of love and respect and self-control, then the word of God could be maligned. Uh, in verses 6 to 8, older men can um, be such an example of self-control and sound teaching and integrity that those who oppose Christianity, we have nothing bad to say about us. And in fact, even in our workplaces, Titus says, Paul goes on to tell, uh, these, uh, tell Titus that Christians can make the gospel of our God and Saviour attractive just by the way we work. We can promote the gospel not only at home and our families, but we can promote the gospel by the way we work. So, Bible bashing at work is never a good look. <laughs> uh, long theological prayers over the Christmas family dinner um, probably won't make Jesus attractive. <laughs> Keep it short. Uh, I think I might have offended a few people um, at 8 o'clock this morning. I apologise if I did. But being a jerk, you know, never helps Jesus be heard. Be a nice person. Be kind. Be loving. Be gentle. Be respectful. Uh, a loving marriage sure does though that helps Jesus that helps promote the gospel um, an honest Christian worker that helps promote the gospel we can keep going going last one unity uh, and I've only got a time to really touch this unity amongst us helps promote the gospel read Psalm 133 if you're writing notes down there is great power in church unity as we promote the gospel together. We as God's church are actually an advertisement for the gospel. Yes, we've got a lovely new sign. You would have seen that this morning. Um, beautiful. But I tell you what, what we do here and us as a community, as God's people, that's a far better advertisement than a flash new sign. Although that does help. What about our final P? Again, Time's running away from us. I'd love to give a whole series of sermons on this final P. But here's one I want to say that's only very quick. See, when we pray, we recognise in trust that the power is actually in the message, don't we? Not the messenger. That's what we do when we pray. We recognise that. In prayer, well, we relax. God's got it under control. In prayer, we are faithful. We ask to be faithful. We ask to take up opportunities. We ask to not be silent. We pray for more wildlife warriors. They're great. We pray for more bush tucker men too. Colossians 4, 2-6 gives us a clear example of what Christians should pray for. I'm going to pray now as I lead you in prayer, lead us in prayer. I'm going to pray using those words. Let's pray. Father, we ask that we would devote ourselves to prayer. Lord, we ask that you would help us to be watchful and thankful. We ask, Lord, that, that you would open doors for the message of the gospel and so that we would proclaim the mystery of Christ. Lord, we pray that we would proclaim it clearly. Help us to be wise in the way we act towards non-Christians. Help us to make the most of every opportunity. Lord, we pray that our conversation may always be full of grace, the grace that you have shown us. We pray that it's seasoned with salt so that all may know, or we may know, how to answer everyone. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.